0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد سيدنا محمد وعلى محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى سيدنا محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى حميد إن شاء الله throughout these last ten blessed nights of Ramadan. We will be discussing the topic of purifying the heart based on the teachings of Imam Al-Ghazali Rahimahullah, from his well-known and famous book, the Ihya Ulumuddin. Imam Al-Ghazali Rahimahullah, was a great Shafi'i scholar, very well known to everybody. And this is not the time to actually talk about the great Imam. However, he has based this work on principles, identifying core principles of the Deen. He's not spoken about everything, but he identifies core principles. And if a person wants to understand these principles, everything else will fall into one of the categories. And then he's divided it into more categories and then subcategories. Now, with the short time that we have, we'll be only speaking about one area, and that is purifying the heart from the blameworthy characteristics, which simply means that there are certain characteristics which Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants to us to bring into our lives. And there are certain characteristics that we need to rid ourselves from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Qad aflaha man tazakka. that the person who purifies himself or herself that individual has succeeded purification here means cleansing allah's messenger alayhi wasallam, said purity is half of faith so understand from this that the perfection of faith is in purifying the heart from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like. So any characteristics which are disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we have a duty upon us to try and rid ourselves from those bad and evil characteristics. And adorning it with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. Purity is half of faith, yet how can one be busy with purification while not knowing what is filthy? So we've been told to purify ourselves. To purify the heart. What do we, what purify, we purify it from? from? From bad characteristics. If we don't know what the bad characteristics are, how can we purify ourselves? So this session inshaAllah will be to identify, if we have 10 days then 10, if we have 9 then 9, core characteristics, 10 core characteristics which are bad. That if we were to rid ourselves from them all the other characteristics insha'Allah will start to go as well These are ten he has identified and he will show how all the rest they fall into one of these ten categories We shall therefore mention the blameworthy characteristics which are many however the branches derive from ten principles So these will be ten principles And if we free ourselves ourselves from these, these, insha'Allah, Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easy for us to stay away from from many others. Now some of them are such, many of them we will have heard of, some Some of them are such such that we'll hear them and think, is that even a bad characteristic? Is that even something I should save myself from? And the great, the great Imam, Imam then goes on to explain and elaborate of why, why such, a such a characteristic is dangerous. Is dangerous. Especially, Especially what we, are, what we going are going to discuss today will take all of all us with surprise, because unfortunately we are, we are all, all involved, involved in this particular bad trait or characteristics. Characteristic. And, and in Ramadan, Islam, uh, I think we indulge in it even more. May Allah give Allah us the understanding the first step, step for, anything for anything is knowledge if we don't, if we don't know then, then how, can how can we act so this is, this the, first is the first thing that we need we to learn. learn so the first, the first principle, principle. gluttony Glutton. what, Glutton. 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 what does that mean overeating, over-eating. Over-indulging, overindulging in food. foods being, being greedy. greedy being, being obsessed, obsessed over types of, types of food. food the quality, quality of food, food. The, color the color of food, food. Just, just being, being really greedy. in being a foodie Now, who's not a foodie? We all love our food. And it's very natural to like food. And it's something which Allah has created within each and every person. But like with everything, there's a limit. There's a boundary which we understand. But This is an area where unfortunately, we haven't ever thought that we should apply a limit or a boundary. Whereas the Sharia has kept certain rules, regulations. So let us understand. So this is the first bad characteristic and we will see how because of this many other bad characteristics are present within us because of this so gluttony overeating greediness is among the greatest sources of harm to the religion it's one of the greatest causes of harm to the religion for the stomach is the wellspring of desires So, whatever you put, you know they say in English, you are what you eat. It's so true. Even according to the hadith of the Prophet Even according to this saying of the great Imam, you are what you eat. So, the desires wouldn't be present if there was nothing in the stomach. So, Whatever you put in the stomach, and even from a health perspective, from a health perspective, we learn from the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam regarding safeguarding the stomach, because the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has advised us that all the illnesses come from there. What you put into there, it's been then pumped around your body, and that is what causes the illnesses. So from it des- derives the desire of the genitals. Now we speak about something called shahwa. Fulfilling our our desires desires in the the incorrect way way. So it's telling us that that this evil whether whether it be zina 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 to a high high level or to its lowest form form. Where does this this come from? Greed Greed, overeating. overeating. This is what what creates this evil trait as well Then if the desire desire for food food and sex becomes overpowering another another desire comes forth and that is the love of wealth. For one cannot attain the fulfillment of the first two desires except through it. Then, desire for fame derives from desire for wealth. For it is difficult to acquire wealth without it. Can you see? There's a change. So, a person overeats. Because of that, the desires, the sexual desires grow. Now, what happens? That creates now a greed for wealth. A person starts getting wealth now agreed for fame and to become well known. Can you see from one to another? Where did it start from? Eating. Which is something we don't look at as being bad. Upon attaining fortune and fame or seeking them, all spiritual diseases such as pride, ostentation meaning to show off), envy meaning jealousy, hate, enmity and others crowd together. Of course, when you've got wealth now, If anybody's got more wealth than you, you might become jealous of them or you might hate them or you might start creating enemies now, people start hating you. The origin of all that is in the stomach. So where did it start from? The stomach. For this reason, Allah's Messenger وسلم, attached great importance to voluntary hunger, saying there is no practice more beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, than hunger and thirst. He also said he who stuffs his belly will not enter heaven's realm and the master of all actions is hunger. He وسلم, also said contemplation is half of worship and small portions of food is worship itself. So here, remember, we are not being told to starve. We are not being told that you must give up food altogether. That's not what's being told. What's being told is to have some control, to have some sort of limit, to not indulge. He also said the best of you to Allah is he who reflects and is hungry the longest. The most loathsome, meaning the, most, the person that Allah hates the most of you, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is anyone who eats, drinks, and sleeps excessively. So when a person indulges in these habits excessively, then he falls from the esteem of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, the prime thing about coming to such gatherings is, normally what happens is when such topics are discussed, we start thinking about other people. Oh I know that person, I know this person. This applies yeah, yeah yeah. I should I hope that person's listening. I hope she listens to this. But the reason why we don't benefit, I don't benefit, is because we never apply it to us. So the idea of these gatherings is it's about self rectification and that is what Ramadan is about how I can improve myself. So the idea is when we sit in these gatherings, we should think that I'm coming here for me to become a better person, to hear what's wrong with me and how I can remove it from my life. For a moment, let's stop thinking about others. Let's not try and apply it to anybody else. I should think about me, you think about you, and inshallah in that way will benefit. He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also said, The son of Adam does not fill a vessel worse than his belly. A few bites to strengthen his back are enough. If there is no getting away from it then a third of his stomach is for food a third for his drink and a third for air or breathing this is such such a beautiful beautiful remedy given by rasulullah that of course we're nowhere near the level of the sahaba who would go uh, hungry for days and days or some of the pious predecessors who despite having food they chose to remain hungry to fight their ego we're nowhere near that so the prophet has given us a very very beautiful uh, way where we can implement this where if you can't stay hungry that's fine the prophet gave us a limit and he said a third of your stomach for food one third for water one third for air What do we do we fill everything with the food especially when we have a suhoor because we've eaten when you're trying to drink water because you know you're going to get thirsty you're trying to drink water but you can't because there's there's so much food in there and this is the normal practice so there should be enough space where we split it into three that a person eats and then you have a good amount of water as well and then you can breathe as well you're not struggling to breathe so, this is the prophetic teaching. The Prophet also said, Verily, shaitan flows through the son of Adam like the flow of blood. So, let him tighten his paths with hunger and thirst. So, you want to stop shaitan flowing inside you? Then fight him through hunger and thirst. Again, we're not saying that a person should abandon food totally. The explanation will come later on. He said, Allahu alayhi wasallam said to Aisha radiallahu anha, continuously knock on the gate of paradise and it will be open for you. She said, how do I knock continuously? He said with hunger and thirst. He also said eat and drink for only half of your bellies for indeed it is part of prophethood. So even the Anbiya they, did ne- they never over they didn't indulge in food They ate that which was necessary and many a times they would even stay hungry as well The benefits of hunger Perhaps we desire to know the secret of attaching great importance to hunger Now you might be thinking, what's, what's all this about? Why is hung being hungry? And we can relate to this because it's the month of Ramadan So it's probably the only time in the year where we do experience a bit of hunger So you probably desire to know the secret of attaching great importance to hunger and the aspects of its relation to the path of the afterlife. Know that it has many benefits, yet their foundations go back to seven. So now Imam Ghazali is splitting this topic into seven now. And he's saying the benefits of remaining hungry and why that impacts your spirituality, there are seven benefits. Number one. The first is clarity of the heart and keen insight. So by cutting down on food, one thing a person can achieve is clarity of the heart and keen insight. For indeed satiation begets idiocy and blinds the heart. A person who's full, always full, he doesn't have much wisdom and the heart is blinded by this. He said, whoever deprived his belly His thinking is greater and his heart is more perceptive. It is well known that the key to happiness is knowledge which is not attained except with clarity and illumination of the heart. For this reason to be hungry is to knock on the gate of paradise. So that was the first category. What happens was the first benefit that clarity of the heart and of the mind. The second is softness of the heart. You know we complain of the heart being hard. A person fills himself all the time to his full, and then also wants a soft heart as well. These two don't go together. To the extent that one feels the pleasure of conversing with Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and being affected by the remembrance and worship, Junaid Baghdadi, rahmatullah Ali said, "One of you will make a barrier between himself and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala with food." So we want the sweetness, don't we? In Ramadan especially. We want to stand in Taraweeh and enjoy. We want to make Dhikr and enjoy. However, we don't experience the sweetness. He's saying sometimes what happens is you place a barrier between yourself and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What's the barrier? Food. And we're not just talking about eating. We're talking about overeating here. So he says one of you... You place a barrier between yourself and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with food and then desire to find the sweetness of conversing with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you well know that the states of the heart whether fear or apprehension softness and intimacy or brokenness and awe are from the keys of the gates of paradise even if the gate of knowledge is above these and hunger is a way of knocking on these gates as well So to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one step a person needs to take, is to cut down on overeating. So that was number two. Number three, the third is humbling the ego. That's the third benefit. That a person's ego is humbled. The humbling of the ego and removal of arrogance. Nothing breaks the ego like hunger. And arrogance calls to humbleness of Allah. Sorry, arrogance calls to heedless the stuff of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is a gate to hell and sorrow. To be hungry is to close the gate, and in closing the gate of sorrow is the opening of the gates of happiness. For this reason, when the world was presented to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you know the Prophet was presented the world. He was told that the mountains would be turned into gold and silver and they would follow him wherever, wherever he wanted. What did you reply no, to this. this? The Prophet sallallahu did he accept this? No. He said, he no, said no, I don't I want this. Want what did he, what he say instead? He said, I would rather, I would rather be hungry, be hungry one, day one day and I would eat the next day. day. So I'd rather, I'd rather have a life, life where one day I get a little bit of food. Why? So that I can thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the next day i'd rather go without food so i can be patient and appreciate the favor of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i had the day before and i'm grateful so that was number three number four the fourth is that tribulation is from the gates of paradise because tribulation is to experience the taste of torment through which dread of torment in the afterlife increases so we hear the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, where the Prophet sallallahu has told us that Jannah has been surrounded by difficulties. And Jahannam has been surrounded by indulgence, adornment. And this is what Allah so this is the system of Allah. So Jannah has been surrounded by hardship, by difficulties. You want to get to Jannah? Okay? You have to go through these. Going to Jahannam is very easy because Jahannam is surrounded by adornment, amusement. You do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want, that's your one-way ticket to Jahannam. Easy, It's it's not difficult at all. But to get to Jannah, a person has to strive. So because we know that tribulation is one of the things that you have to go through to enter Jannah, one of the types of tribulations is hunger. So when a person experiences a little bit of hunger, so, you, so you eat, eat, but you don't eat, eat till you're full. You want you to, want have, that to have, have that extra bite, but you don't. That little that pain that you experience, you that little pang, it's not really a pain. Are you going to die from this? No, you've so eaten, you but you've eaten, eaten one morsel less. less. When your heart tells you you want, you want to eat that one one more morsel, so, you want to have some, some more, more so, you but you, you stop yourself just before you're full. That's a little bit, you're tormenting yourself a little bit. And that will help you to remember the torment of the hereafter so this is how all these things are linked so this helps us to remember the torment of the afterlife a human being cannot torment himself with anything in the way that he can with hunger for indeed he needs no affectation Affectation means you, you don't need to pretend. There's no pretense in here. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to sort of start beating yourself for the sake of it, to hurt yourself or to torment yourself. Or to for example, rip your clothes off and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wear one, one piece of cloth and freeze in the winter or something. That's going extreme. No one's telling us to do that. But with food, every, this is something every single one of us can do. Now, if a person's in the habit of eating, for example, I don't know, three chapatis or oh, three paratas, for example. Oh, sorry, I have to include everybody. Three plates of rice for example. <laughs> uh, we've included everybody here. You know, just cutting down, instead of eating three chapatis, a person eats two and a half for example, or two for example. Everybody can do that. To eat two more, so less, we can less It's something we can all do. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to go out of your way. There's no difficulty in this whatsoever. And Imam Al Ghazali will come onto this shortly when he'll explain to us how to come onto this path. So, through hunger, a person constantly experiences Allah's tribulation, which exhorts to compassion and feeding the needy. Whereas a person who is always full is heedless of the hungry person's pain. So, also, what happens now, today we're living in a time, it's 2018. However, what's going on in the world, the rest of the world? Yeah, we're all on social media. When you come across, it's like what happens now, you just flick across it, it's so normal. And we tend to ignore it because it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just there all the time, it's in your face. Yemen, Syria, Iraq, Burma, it's, just, it's, always, it's always there. And because we're so far from it, it doesn't even cross our minds. And even in terms of, we might donate, donate. and that's good, we should, but even that, it's very far, I mean, just transferring an amount, there's no feeling there, is there? It's it's just that we think we've done our part because I I donated 50 pounds, or I gave 100 pounds, or I've set up a standing order, and that's our charity today. Whereas charity was much more than this. Where's the sympathy? Remember, we we said Ramadan is a month of sympathizing with the poor. And until me and you do not experience a little bit of this, we will never be able to understand. Giving away some money, it doesn't make a difference to us. What difference does it make to us? It doesn't make any difference at all. So through this, what will happen is a person, not just in Ramadan, but even out of Ramadan, if I was to eat a few morsels less, if I was to cut down on one or two items, or one or two things of food, generally, what would happen is, on a daily basis, I will feel a, a short pang. I'll, I'll feel a little torment. Not that I will, I'm going to die or suffocate or something. Just slight. And that will be a constant reminder of those people who don't have food. And naturally what happens is, that causes a person to soften themselves, to become a more humble. But there are so many benefits. We've already discussed so many. How many benefits did he say we're going to speak about? Seven. Seven. Which one of you are now? now. Hmm? hmm. Number four. Good. MashaAllah. One brother's taking one notes, he so he knows. The rest of us, uh, let, let, let's um, let's follow. So number, four, we're on number five now. The fifth. The fifth one, which is one of the greatest benefits, is breaking the other desires. Remember, we spoke in the beginning that gluttony and overeating and indulging in food and being greedy about it. What happens? That a person is greedy, a person eats. The more you eat, what happens? That now grows the sexual desire. So a person's filled his belly, all the time a person's full, full, full. What will happen? That will increase a person's passion and desires. Then what will happen is that will then create a desire for wealth. Then that will create a desire for fame. And then a person will start having in his heart enmity and jealousy. And that will lead now to many many other uh, bad characteristics. So over here we're saying the fifth benefit of uh, staying away from gluttony and experiencing the hunger generally in one's life is it will break the other, other desires and conquering the ego the Rahmatullah Alayhi said, I have never been satiated. He's saying, whenever I've been full, whenever I've overeaten, what does he say? I have never been satiated without either disobeying or considering disobedience. He says, whenever I ate to my full, I committed a sin. And if I didn't commit a sin, I considered committing a sin. Who's saying this? Dhunun Misri Rahmatullah who is one of the great friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says, whenever I filled myself, what happened? I committed a sin, or I contemplated committing a sin. As for the genitals' desires, their danger is well known. We all know about zina at the highest level and anything that leads to it. We all know the dangers of that, and that's not what we're discussing now. But what is important is, this leads to that and many other evils as well. So if a person wants to control this, if you remember in the beginning we said, Imam Al Ghazali is going to inform us of 10 principles, that if we adopt these, the rest of the bad characteristics will automatically be taken care of. Hunger is enough to quell their evil. Whoever is full and satiated does not control his genitals. If conscience prevents him, he still does not control his eyes. So a person who is always full, what will happen, it will create a passion inside a person to commit zina. Now it's not, committing zina is not as if a person just goes out and I'm gonna go and commit zina today. It doesn't work like that, as we all know. There are some sins which are easier to commit than others. So if a person, we've got conscious, conscience and we've got obviously some sort of self-respect, and we've got the fear of society and people and all of these things put together. So what's being mentioned here is, if a person does not actually go and commit zina, what will they do, the least form is, uh, this person will commit zina with the eyes, and a person will not be able to control their gaze. For like the genitals, their eyes fornicate as well. We know the hadith of the Prophet where the Prophet said, the eyes fornicate, the ears fornicate, the tongue fornicate, the hands fornicate. and And the feet fornicate fornicate as well. So sahaba Sahaba said how? He said said, the eyes fornicate by looking at at that which is haram, the ears by listening, and the tongue in speaking, the hands in touching, the feet in walking walking towards, and then he said the genitals testify 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 and complete the act of zina. But these are also parts of zina as well so if if conscious prevents a person he still does not control his eyes for like the genitals the eyes also fornicate all acts of disobedience committed by the seven limbs are because of the strength attained through satiation so now he said it through the seven main limbs that we have all of the acts of disobedience what's it based on having a full stomach indulging in food so much so that a person this is a person's concern all the time this leads to the disobedience now for many of us we probably never ever thought of this this probably never crossed our mind whereas we all want to stay away from the disobedience of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so rightly said by imam Fazali rahmatullah that the person who purifies himself or herself has succeeded but he said without knowing that which is filthy how can a person stay away from it so first is knowledge to know and then we can implement it. A wise man once said, no desire whatsoever will interfere with anyone desirous of Allah's pleasure who endures eating nothing but plain bread for one year. Now again, some of the things which will be mentioned here are Not applicable today. We're not going to go and right, I'm just going to eat plain bread you know, for the rest of my life, no. But it's just telling us the benefits. There are people in the past who did these things and they attained what they attained. When he eats for only half his belly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will lift the burden of lusting for women from him. So a person doesn't eat full, only to half, what will happen automatically a person will be saved from things like having to control the eyesight. Allah will make it that much easier for this individual. Mother of the believers, Ummul Mu'mineen, Sayyida Aisha said, the first innovation to occur after Allah's Messenger وسلم, left the world was satiation. So it's the first bid'ah, we talk about bid'ah, okay, uh, innovation. The Prophet sallam's beloved wife said, after the Prophet passed away, the first bid'ah to come in this ummah is what? Is to fill to, to fill one's stomach with food, to overeat, because she says that I never saw the Prophet overeating. There was never two meals in his life. Uh, and he says, she says that this is verily for person, if a person, if people's bellies are full, their egos defy them and they turn to the world. So that was number five, number six. The sixth is lightness of the body for prayer vigils and worship. Of course, if the lesser person eats, the lighter person feels and it's easier to stand in the prayer. A person eats so much and what happens? We, we eat in iftar. So much that we can't eat anymore. And then we struggle to stand in Taraweeh. Let alone the qiyamul layl and the Tahajjud. And any other salah that comes afterwards. So what happens is, overeating, there's two things. One is a person becomes so heavy that a person can't now lift his or her body for worship, number one. And number two, by eating, what happens? What do you feel? Lazy, and that leads to being... Sleepy, a person sleeping. You have so much rice, so much rice, okay, Okay. that then you start feeling sleepy. A person can't worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, the sixth is lightness of the body for prayer, vigil, and worship, and the removal of sleep that prevents worship. Indeed, the capital of happiness is one's lifespan. Sleep detracts from one's lifespan, thus preventing worship, and its foundation is excessive eating. Abu Sulaiman al-Darani rahmatullah said, six traits enter the character of whoever is safe. A person who's always full and indulges in overeating, there are six bad things that happen to you. Number one, losing the sweetness of worship. We already spoke about that. So losing the sweetness of worship. Number two, difficulty in memorizing wisdom. A person's memory is not as sharp. You know some of these... Uh, Greek philosophers, you know they would stay hungry for 40 days and not eat anything when they found something difficult to experience. You know this whole topic about uh, should you fast in Ramadan and exams? You know people are going through their GCSEs and other exams and you know people are being advised to not fast. Yet when you look at these non-Muslims who are great thinkers and philosophers, whenever they had any difficulties in memorizing something, they would actually go on a hunger course this is fasting where you're eating to your full in suhoor and iftar. You've eaten. They would actually remain hungry, full hungry for 40 days. Why? Because they knew that it opens the gates of wisdom in the mind. And yet here we're being advised otherwise. And the, the, the exams are normally in the morning anyway. So at that time we wouldn't really feel hungry. So it's, it's, um, it's quite pointless. So six characteristics enter the heart. Number one, losing the sweetness of worship. Number two, difficulty in memorizing wisdom. Number three, no compassion for the creation. Because if he's always full, he thinks that all of the creation is full as well. And this is exactly what's happening to us now. Although we're seeing so much of it in our newsfeed all the time, it, it has no impact on us whatsoever. Because we can't relate to it. When you and I experience that little bit of hunger, then we'll know. I've experienced it today, and this is how it feels. What about those people who go through this day in, day out? This is their life that they wake up hungry, they spend a day hungry, and they go to sleep hungry as well. Heaviness of worship, increase of desires, and hanging around garbage while the rest of the believers hung around the mosques, hanging around garbage, Obviously a person who eats to his full either he's going to go to sleep or now he wants to entertain himself Because you want to relax now. So if you're not going to go to sleep You can't go and pray because you're feeling too lazy to do that. So, You have to pass your time So then a person will want to kill time hanging on garbage Garbage could be referring to Just browsing the internet or garbage could be referring to just shopping or garbage could be referring to You know know, just just talking rubbish and just passing time because now you've eaten your meal, what do you do now? Let's go and chill, have, some, have a shisha or something. Just this is, this is what happens. One thing leads to another. It looks very harmless in itself and we all do it. We're not, we're not talking to strangers here. We're, this is something we're all involved in. And we're not expected to sort of quit this kind of thing overnight. And we're not saying give up everything. Because the timing that we're living in is very different to when Imam Ghazali Rahmatullah was living. However, there is something we can take from here. There are some changes that we can make according to our lifestyle and according to the surroundings that we're living in, and we will definitely see some sort of benefit in this, insha'Allah. The seventh is likeness of financial burden. So the seventh benefit, so that was six benefits, the seventh one now is a lightness of financial burden. That's so obvious. The ability to be satisfied with a little food from the world and the ability to prefer poverty. Truly whoever is satiated with little is freed from gluttony and does not need much money. Most worldly aspirations are thereby rendered obsolete. Whenever he wants to take a loan to fulfill his belly's desire, he instead takes from his self and abandons the belly's desire. Whenever yeah, it, was it was said to Ibrahim ibn Ibrahim adham Allah, that something was too expensive, you know what he would reply by saying? Cheapen it with abandonment. It's too expensive. I'll give you a really good idea. Do you want it really cheap? Cheaper than cheap. Okay, give you a better bargain than home bargains. Okay, really cheap. Just abandon it. Abandon it and that's it. It'll become really cheap. You don't have to pay for it at all. And really, this is something we do spend on. And a, a lot of our money does go on food. We could have spent much less on it, but it's the greed that, you know, if you've like eaten in all of the places in Birmingham, that you know of, now you, you don't want to go to Birmingham anymore to eat, because that's boring now. You've eaten, you've, you've been round, you've done tawaf of the Balti triangle so many times, but that that's, it doesn't mean anything to us. It's, that's not food to us anymore. Anyway. You know, like think. This is how far we've gone. Think about it. I mean, these people dying, and for us, like we have to go branch out a little bit you now. So let let's go to Manchester now. You know, and that, that's what's happening. So we'll all get together. Let's let's go and eat. Let's go to eat. Imagine the people in Yemen hear this. Now people in the UK, okay, they eat so much, so much, so much that they've got hundreds and hundreds of really nice, they've got lovely food at home, but let's say, there's nothing wrong going out to eat, fine. But they've eaten in all the places in Birmingham, that they're traveling two hours just to eat a meal. There was actually a person who actually flew to Karachi, just to eat a meal in a place that he liked. He ate in the restaurant and he came back. And uh, we can go on, there's many, many stories, but remember, what did we say? We started off by saying this gathering is about me. It's about you. It's about self rectification. We're not going to think about anyone else except ourselves because this is what normally happens. A topic starts, we start discussing and our mind starts wondering of, Oh, this applies to this person. This applies to that person. I hope she's listening. I hope he's listening. I'm going to go and pass this message. No, this is for me. And that's where I will benefit. So, These were the seven benefits. Now, Now, Imam Ghazali now comes on to how how to reduce reduce eating. eating. How can we now implement this, especially in today's time? Perhaps you say satiation and eating a lot has become a normal habit to me. It has, has not it? So how do I leave it? Know that doing so is easy for whoever wants to do it gradually. You can't do it overnight. But if you're serious about this and you want to do it gradually, it's very easily possible. This means simply decreasing a little bit from the food one eats daily, until in a month's time, the amount of a bun or a roll has been decreased without being noticed. So if a person wants to decrease slowly, slowly, just a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you use maybe one item or half an item, or half a chapati, or half a nun, you, or even a quarter, he's saying, he's saying even one bite of it. By the end of a month, or by the end of two months, you've cut down on a whole chapati, or a whole bun, or a whole roll, and you didn't even notice because you did it gradually. And improvement comes gradual, doesn't it? Sometimes we get old in Josh, and we want to do it all overnight. And what happens? We don't really get anywhere. So, doing it gradually. Now he goes into giving some more detail. And Minimizing food has now become normal. Furthermore, if you desire to minimize, then you should pay attention to time, amount, and time. Now, Imam Ghazali goes into detail. Because when we eat, it's not about how much we're eating. So one is we're indulging in food. We're eating a lot, okay? So one's eating a lot. Number two, what type of food are we eating? Type or types with many many s's at the end okay and then is the time that's consumed the time that goes behind eating if we were to calculate how much time we spend weekdays weekend just on food uh, you'll be amazed so now he goes on to give an example as for amount so we're going to speak about amount time and type. as for amount it has three degrees the highest of them, which is the degree of the truthful ones. You know, there's a very high level after, after the prophets. The next level is of the Siddiqeen, the truthful ones. Abu Bakr as anhu the Siddiqeen, a very high station. They used to limit themselves in cons- cons- consumption to bare sustenance. So just, they used to eat just to survive. Now, th- this is not what we are telling everyone to do. So don't take the wrong message from here. Otherwise, no one will come from tomorrow. No. no. So this so is a Siddiqeen. So they would only eat how much they can survive with, after which any further decrease entails taking a risk to one's mind and health. So you can't go beyond that. That was the choice of علي, who was of the opinion that to pray sitting down due to weakness from hunger was better than to pray standing through to strength from eating. Regarding the same individual. This is the amount even about time You know, he used to be so engaged as Shaykh Rahmatullah mentions in the books of Fadail He used to be so engaged in his ibadah and his worship that he used to just not eat And he used to go without eating because he would, he would that he would save time so and then what he did was You know that he used to eat barley so there was a way of eating barley where you eat it in a bread form, or then you eat it raw, where you just take the barley and you, you, you put it into your mouth and you drink water, and you just swallow it like that. So he said, what I did was I compared the time it took to eat a normal bread and the time it took me to just eat the barley and drink the water. And he says, the comparison was, I could read subhanallah 70 times more if I was to just take the barley and drink it with water. So because I gave up eating bread. And this is the vision they had because they knew why they were created. Why, why are we created? Worship. Worship was their goal. That's what they were about. Today, everything else has become a purpose for me except for worship. For them, worship was everything. It was all about worship and ibadah. So everything they did, it was focused on how can I worship Allah more? Uh, so he calculated the time and he said, right, from now on, I'm not going to eat bread. I'm going to eat it like this because I can say subhanAllah 70 times more. This is a very high level. We're very far from it. The second is for you to be satisfied with half a mud every day, which is one third of the belly. This was the habit of Umar and a group of the companions whose weekly amount of food was one measure of Sa' of Bali each. Sa' was a measurement uh, and that's how much they used to eat in a whole month. Uh, Sorry, a whole week. The third is one mud. Above anything than that is the same as normal people and a deviation from the way of the seekers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Although differences between people and their conditions may affect these amounts. Again, you can't apply this to nowadays, and you can't apply this to every, everyone's different. Someone might be eating, for example, someone might be eating 10 chapatis, and a person might be eating 3 chapatis. The person eating 3 is going to look at the guy eating 10 and thinking, you're so greedy, you eat 10. Little do you know that he used to eat 20, he used to eat 20, and now he's come down and he's cut down and he's on 10. And you used to eat eat one one and you've you've gone up to three. Do you understand? So Everyone's different. We can't, when it comes to food, you can't look at everyone and say, Oh, he eats too much. No, everyone's different. Everyone's needs are different. Each individual knows themselves and how much an individual needs to cut down on and make this subtle changes in their lives. The principle is for a person to extend his hand only when he is truly hungry. And therefore, to desist when he truly desires more. The sign of true hunger is that you desire any bread whatsoever without condiments. So, what's being mentioned here is the sign of true hunger is you don't mind eating plain bread. You know, sometimes you're starving. You've not had anything and there's nothing. You just run into the kitchen. You pick up anything and you start eating. And you don't mind. Normally, you would never have that. But you've picked it up and you're just eating it because you just want something to go into your system. Saying this is what you call being hungry. And what he's saying is the best way is eat when you're hungry. Eat when you're hungry. We eat because it's time to eat. We eat because it's breakfast, and the whole world is eating breakfast, we think. So I have to eat it, even if I'm not hungry. Afternoon meal, you have to eat. Evening meal, and then midnight feast as well. It's just the time, it's time. I feel like it's the time to eat, when even a person's not hungry. So if a person ate when they were hungry, fine. That would be very beneficial, eat when you're hungry. And then when do you stop eating, when there's a little bit of hunger, hunger left, you've still got a little bit of hunger, you've eaten, you can survive. There's a little bit of hunger left, you stop eating. This is the best way. So, as for time, it also compromises of three degrees. The highest is to go for three days or some more without food. Sayyidina Abu Bakr Siddiq, this was his habit. Three days he would go without food. Some of them used to go for six days without food. Ibrahim ibn Adham and al Thawri would go for seven days without eating anything. And some people even went for 40 days without eating any food. Again, this is not something that we're advocating here, that we should stay away from food. This is just telling us some of the practices of the people of the past. The wonders of the spiritual realm will undoubtedly manifest to whoever goes for 40 days without food. However, this is not possible except gradually. And in this day and age, this is not something that is advised and that is not what we're being told to do. So that's the highest level. As for the middle degree, it is to go for two days without food. The lowest is for a person to eat once daily. So the lowest level is to eat once a day. And many people are doing this. Many people do it for health reasons as well. And this is something that's being practiced, to eat one meal a day. Uh, For some of us, this might come as a fright and a shock. How am I going to do this? It doesn't happen overnight. A person will work towards it gradually. There are many, many people doing it. Now, you know, people do it. Muslims and non-Muslims eat once uh, one meal a day. We eat like five meals a day sometimes. Sometimes it's even six if you've got a doubt. Anyway, so... So the lowest is for a person to eat once daily. Whoever eats twice has never experienced the condition of hunger from the outset, and thus abandoned its virtue. As for type, the highest form is to eat wheat bread with condiments. The lowest form is barley bread without condiments. And to constantly constantly eat it with condiments is extremely disliked. Umar Umar said to his son, eat bread bread with meat one time, bread with butter butter another time, time, bread with yogurt another time, time, bread with with salt salt another time, and plain bread another time. This is also something that needs to be taken into consideration. A variety and not just eating meat all the time. For some of us, we can't imagine eating a meal where it's not got chicken or meat in it. Or fish. It has to have it in, otherwise, I'm not going to call it a meal. Again, this yes, is part of being overeating or being greedy, greedy that, that a person. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did eat meat, but he wasn't always, always present. present. So Umar radiallahu advised his son that change. Sometimes, you know, have it without, without this. Have it without, without this. Be this. Be a little bit simple. Don't have an extravagant meal all the time. This is a lesson on the best way of eating according to the people of worship. As for those seeking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they have gone to an extreme in regards to abandoning condiments, rather in abandoning desires altogether. This is to the extent that some of them would crave a desirable thing for 10 or 20 years, oppose themselves and prevent from its desire. So some of them, what they would do, they would desire, I want to eat this. Okay, that desires, I want to eat a certain item. So what they would do intentionally, they would not eat it for 10 years, for 20 years. And what would happen is every time that desire would come, they wouldn't follow that desire. And by that what would happen, it would crush their ego. And they became closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because the quickest way to Allah is to let go of one's ego and to crush the nafs. The Prophet said, the worst of my community are those who relish in food, in." The worst of my community are those who relish in food and their bodies are fattened by it. Their only concern is the colours of food and clothes. And they talk with affectation. So those people who are always their life is all about good food, good clothes, and they just want to talk and talk. They've got they don't talk any sense, it's just talking rubbish. So this is and this is what happens. A person wants to dress up, dress to impress. And then go and eat all different colored types of food, and then you sit down and you relax and you just go on for the world as if you're you know, the greatest politician. So you just want to talk the whole night and go on and on. This is the Nabi wa sallam said, These are the worst people of my community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us, may Allah not make us from amongst them. So we have already explained the way of the pious predecessors uh, regarding abandoning desires before. This comes to the end of the first principle. So summarizing the first principle uh, Imam Al-Ghazali has mentioned is the principle of uh, overeating, gluttony, greed, and this leads to all of the other bad characteristics. So just like Eating to one's food, that will create sexual desires, that will create greed for wealth, that will create hatred, enmity. And we saw all of the person becomes weak and lethargic. a person feels sleepy, a person can't do as much ibadah. There's no compassion left in the heart for those who are poor, there's no consideration for them. How do we treat this? We treat this by gradually. We're not saying this is going to happen overnight, number one. Number two, we're not saying that we should start starving and stay hungry, no. Slowly, slowly, a person should make an effort and try and cut down, cut down and, not and not overeat. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us all the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wanah and alhamdulillah.